When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored by Simon & Schuster and Lucky by Marissa Stapley. What if you had the winning ticket that would change your life forever, but you couldn't cash it in? When talented grifter Lucky Armstrong discovers that a lottery ticket she bought on a whim is worth millions, her elation is tempered by one big problem. Cashing in the winning ticket means she'll be arrested for her crimes. She'll go to prison with no chance to redeem her fortune. Lucky is a thrilling roller coaster ride about a heist gone terribly wrong with a plucky protagonist who will win your heart, and is also the new Reese's Book Club pick. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 117, and we are recording on Sunday, December 12th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Nezra Javed, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Nezra. How are you? Welcome back. I am good. Thank you so much. So Super excited to be back and recording our, I believe, what is the last episode of 2021? So super excited. We were away for two weeks traveling internationally, and it was... It was a mixed bag. It was fun <laughs> once we got there, but the pro- you know how they say the joy is in the journey. In this instance, it was not joyful at all. So, but happy to be back. Happy that I got a chance to travel before things shut down again, and it was all good. But excited to be back and recording. How are things on your end? Well, I'd say pretty much you know same old, same old. Going through you know. Same stuff at work, same, you know, stuff at home. We're getting ready for the holidays. So we've got boxes arriving on our doorstep every other day and sorting through. I'm like, okay, who's which family member does this one go to? Okay, that one's Blaine's side of the family. He can wrap that one. This one's my side of the family. I'll wrap this one. And yeah, so that's just kind of the usual holiday stuff. We got our Christmas tree up recently and the cat... Uh, has managed to knock off several ornaments already. So (laughs) we were strategic. We put you like whenever anyone who has cats who has a Christmas tree will tell you, you put all of the non-breakable ornaments at the bottom of the tree because if they're going to play with the ornaments, you'd rather they not be the really fancy ones. (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I don't have a cat, but I have a toddler and we've never had a tree before. Like it was just between the two of us. So we never, we don't have family nearby. So this year we got a very small tree for her and I got her like a bag of, you know, ornaments. It would be a tradition. She could put them up. It would be nice. And she put them all up. She was super excited. And within five minutes of putting them all up, they were all down. She was like, nope, I don't want them on the tree. I want to hold them in my lap. And now I'm stepping on ornaments everywhere in her house. <laughs> so, yeah. That's like having a cat. <laughs> it, basically. I mean, <laughs> so, but I, I just, it's overcast over here in San Francisco. But I just love this season of like, you know, gift giving. Gifts are coming in. Gifts are going out. Everyone has such fantastic decor up. And it just makes me feel like a slacker because I didn't do anything. So, 
but it is what it is. Well, you get to enjoy everyone else's efforts. Exactly. <laughs> I get to enjoy everyone else's labor and come January 1st, I don't have to be the one climbing up the roof and freezing rain and, you know, <laughs> removing the lights. So I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why most a lot of places in, in the uh, Chicago area or even just the Midwest, uh, the lights stay up for a while because no one <laughs> wants to get yeah. up there until it's like, all right, we need we need a good thaw before we before we get up on a ladder. <laughs> Maybe we can la- make it last till like the Valentine's Day or, you know, spring break or something. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on top of all of this, have you been reading anything awesome lately? Yes. So unfortunately, uh, and to zero surprise to anyone, I did not get to read much while I was traveling. But I have had such a fantastic like two, almost three weeks back where I have been able to read a lot of the things. And the one thing that I am, I just recently started and I just am already loving is Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty. This is her latest. And I believe you've talked on this uh, show about it before. I want to talk about it more like in a wrap up thoughts because, you know, I feel like I'm going to have a lot of those, but it's her signature blend of family secrets and of basically getting into the heads of these family members of you know of couples of children of parents and of course with a fantastic mystery thrown in and just like bringing our deepest and darkest thoughts to the surface which is something she's amazing at it is like it is her signature work but at the same time, it doesn't feel like, you know, done to get, like done to death or repetitive in any way. So I am, I'm just about 25% in, but I am already itching for the time when I can go back and get back to it again. And I'm reading this in hardcover, like the full on, it's getting the full on treatment. It, there's no audio, there's no ebook doing while doing other things. No, just like when my whole house goes to sleep, I <laughs> open the book and I read it and it's it's a luxury and I'm loving it. Um, what about you? Have you been reading anything? Well, I will talk about the most recent book that I finished in a marathon reading session last night when we get farther into the episode. <laughs> um, but I do have a big stack of books that I've had checked out from the library for a while now, and I should probably grab one of those, but I'm not sure which one yet. <sighs> so with that, uh, why don't you go ahead and give us our first sponsor, and then let's let's jump into this. Absolutely. This episode of Red or Dead is sponsored in part by Sourcebooks, a strikingly original novel, true crime story, twists together transcripts, emails, and documents into an investigation of a missing college girl, also weaving in the mysteries of how the narrator, Joseph Knox, came to be in possession of these files and what fate befell the original author. An ambitious, sharp exploration of all things true crime, but remember, everything you read is fiction. The author has been already been praised for his past work by luminaries such as Jane Harper, Ian Ramkin, and Lee Child, and it has gotten fantastic mentions in Publishers Weekly, and it seems like the perfect fit for fans who love, you know, podca- for podcast lovers, so basically you. Uh, people who have enjoyed Sadie. So uh, that's True Crime Story by Joseph Knox. And we thank them and Sourcebook very much for sponsoring the show. Yeah, the more I hear about that book, the more I want, I'm like, okay, I'm adding this to my reading list. It just sounds so interesting. I immediately added it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So welcome to the show. If you are a new listener, welcome. We are delighted to have you. This is a good episode to jump in on. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We're delighted that you keep coming back every couple of weeks to put us in your ear holes. So like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and true crime and just about everything that falls under that giant umbrella, whether it's new subgenres that we haven't talked about or movie adaptations or true crime news or just anything that falls under under that umbrella. If it's mysterious and suspenseful, it's fair game for us to talk about. And this is the part of the show where we always put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any suggestions for upcoming episodes, because they really have helped us plan so many of our previous episodes over the years. And it's a great way to help us plan future episodes. It lets us know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons. It's just a really, it's a win-win situation all around. So If you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out via social media. We will have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes, so you don't have to get your pens ready now. We just like to put the call out ahead of time just to get those juices flowing. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, we love hearing from listeners. So if you enjoy this podcast, let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. And since this is the last episode of 2021, because Book Riot always takes a week-long break between Christmas and New Year's, we decided that this was the time to do our annual favorite books of 2021 roundup. So we should have some really good books to talk about. I will say that when we decided to do this episode and I started thinking back on my year in reading, I went, oh, I haven't read it. I really have not read a ton this year. This has not been Katie's best year of reading at all. And there were there were so many books that were put out this year that I realized that I had really wanted to read and I just never got around to actually reading them. And that made me a little sad. Uh, I felt the same. I remember texting you in a very, you know, <laughs> panicked state that, ah, I haven't read uh, as many books in general as I thought I would this year. And mm-hmm. it's just... I mean, it's like so many of every, like how everyone else has been stating that this year just seems to have flown by. At the same time, I just feel like I got nothing accomplished. <laughs> so uh, especially in terms of reading, like like you said, there were like, it seems to be like more panic about reading than actual reading, which is something <laughs> yes. I would, which is something I'd like to fix where, you know, it's not about like the next book that I want to read or the couple of next book and it's more about like just pick this up because what I found for myself is when I get into that state I can't even read I don't read anything I just I keep making stacks on stacks or lists on lists on you know what I should get to what I should read and then it's just a spiral it's just like a rabbit hole that I I have a hard time getting out of a dark dark rabbit hole so that is just definitely, I think that was my one observation this year is so I think the first thing that I've done is I always have like, I think around 30 books on my nightstand. My nightstand is huge. It has like shelves and all that. So I just kept the immediate 10 that I want to read in the future and then put the other 20 out of my sight so that when I see them, it's like literally just those I have to focus on and the rest, I don't, I don't think about them. I don't look them up. And then when I make a day, like when I read read one of them, I'll swap it out. Like apples never follows one of them. So I'll once I'm done with that, I'll swap it out with a, with a book that I've hidden. 
and I'll, I'll like update you guys on how, in the new year on how that went. <laughs> but, but I have high hopes. But still, I managed to scrounge up some fantastic reads that I think that I have talked about one of them before, but two are part of the rush reading marathon that we uh, embarked on last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, for for sure. And I'm actually, I am going to have you go first with the first book on your list, because that was a book that I w- wanted to get my hands on for this, this kind of like last minute rush reading period. And it was continually checked out at my library, and I never got a chance to read it. So I'm really interested to hear what you thought. Okay, so it's very funny how I stumbled upon this book. So I only read this book last week, and I have not finished it in its entirety. I'm 75% through. So like, I'm, I'm a good chunk of the way in where I know. I like one thing I know about me is for me, it's very rarely about the end of a book that forms my opinion, but it's more about how it gets there. So already I'm 75% in and I'm like, I am just, I w- this was a book that I ch- actually checked out from my library and I returned it. Didn't think much of it. I was like, I'll get to it later. Don't want to read it. But then I got a Kindle copy and then I just started it and then I was hooked. So the book, I guess I should mention the book at this point. (laughs) The book is Mrs. March by Virginia Fato. And this, a lot of the comps for Patricia Highsmith and her works have been thrown around. I mean, I definitely see hints of that. But honestly, what this, what stood out to me was like, this is like, so Shirley Jackson has a story collection and one of her stories is Paranoia. In which this there is this character who gets on a bus who's like on a regular like you know commuting to work, he gets uh, on a bus and then he suspects that you know he's being followed, and literally for the next ten pages we follow his psyche as he's you know he convinces himself that he's being followed and what he does to avoid that and it's just I think of that whenever I hear the word paranoia or paranoid I think of that story. Because she captures, and she does this in a lot of her books as well, she captures the spiral of, you know, paranoia so well. And this is something that this book captures. And it's, so it's like a blend of domestic suspense, as well as, you know, a very, very intricate psychological study focused on one character alone. And of course, and it's also, it has a bit of the unreliable narrator going on, you know, where, it takes a lot of the boxes, but it was so singularly, it was such a singular experience. I hadn't read anything like this, you know, all year. And when I read Mrs. March, I won't lie for a second. I thought that, you know, it was the Marmy from Little Women who, I decided, so too. <laughs> who had decided to embark on like, you know, some kind. And the cover has gloves on it. So I was like, is she doing like a house thing? Like what's going on? Like, is she embarking on some sort of a spree? I was intrigued by that prospect as well. So if someone has not gotten on that, you know, bloodline, I am ready for it. There's an audience for it. Um, <laughs> go forth. <laughs> but it was this Mrs. March had nothing to do with that Mrs. March. Just, just throwing it out there. But it is fantastic. So just a little bit about the plot. So what it is about is so Mrs. March, her husband is an author. He's a very well acclaimed author. And his latest book, his latest novel is a success. You know, it's like being heralded as like 
in the literary circle and like everyday people have read it and you know so mrs march is she's the biggest fan of her author and she's the biggest cheerleader of her of her uh, of her husband right she's like you know she's talking about the novel to everyone have you picked my husband's latest and then so on one day she's out on a grocery run and then the shopkeeper of her favorite, you know, pastry shop, uh, she goes and she's you know, talking about the novel. She's talking about how, oh, have you read it? And then the shopkeeper says, it's based on you, right? And Mrs. Mark is shocked. And she, you know, she's like, what? Like, uh, no, it's not. But the shopkeeper convinces her. He's like, no, it, it is based on you. And then Mrs. March, you know, starts thinking about the character and she realizes that, you know, that character was hugely unlikable in the book and so it starts this thought process of her and she's like is is that really on me like is that really based on me so she walks home in a daze and then you follow her as she go as she spirals out of control and like this thing she does as she spirals out of control and the mystery part of suspense part is just like her emotions get so elevated at a point where you're just like I, I do not want to cross this woman right now, you know, and her husband's whole, um, the idea of her husband or the story around like her, her husband that she has developed in her mind just like falls apart and she has to learn, unlearn and learn who her husband is, like what's been going on with the novels that he's written, what's up with the novel that he's just written. And it was like just following her on this journey it was stressful to say the least, but it was also such a well done work of domestic suspense because I feel like domestic suspense usually is like, you know, how well do you know the people you spend your daily life with? And this just sort of captures that moment of paranoia you sometimes have when you find out something about your spouse and you're like, do I know you at all? And you know, that, that just, that harrowing moment where you just are so afraid that you don't even know the person sitting next to you. That paranoid, that like scary feeling was it, it almost bordered on horror. So it was fan like it was fantastic. I, I have to take breaks between reading it just because it gives me anxiety. Like good kind of anxiety where it's like I, I don't mind processing that kind of anxiety when it's not me going through it personally. But it was it is fantastic and I'm so so glad that I got to squeeze this in before the end of the year. So again, that's Mrs. March by Virginia Fate. Oh, I am so going to read that as soon as it comes in from the library. (laughs) So good. All right. So, yeah, my picks, um, the first two I have talked about on the show this year. And the last one is the book that I mentioned earlier that I finished last night in a marathon reading session. But the first book I read towards the beginning of the year, and it was definitely one of my most anticipated books of the year. And that was Girl A by Abigail Dean. And this book made it onto my radar because people kept comparing it to Sharp Objects, which for me is an instantaneous way to get my attention for a book. So I I read it shortly after it was published. And while it does have some elements of Sharp Objects in that it's a story about an extremely dysfunctional family. It has a different tone to it. Sharp objects I describe as just like razor sharp, nasty. Like the first time I read sharp objects, like I felt greasy. Like to have a fe- such a visceral feeling to a book. Like it was, 
it was very just unsettling and just ugh. Girl A is it was a really really good read, but it doesn't evoke the same types of visceral responses. That being said, it was a topically difficult read, and so there is a big warning for child abuse. So that is what the book is about, because the book follows, well, the main character's name is Lex, and she is known in the community, in the news community, as Girl A. She was the oldest sister who freed her older brother and four younger siblings from her parents, what the, what the newspapers called their house of horrors. And she and her siblings were, their parents were very, her father became very religious in a cult kind of way. And the family dynamic just became more and more oppressive and abusive and restrictive until finally the children were locked inside the house, basically. It's the the passages where you go from the main storyline in the present day to the past storyline of them growing up in the house and you see the family's descent and it's very difficult reading. It's, you know, it's very, it's very tough. Lex is the main character. She's known as Girl A and she's basically just trying to get on with her life. And at the beginning of the book, her father has died. He died by suicide shortly after the Lex escaped because he did not want to go to prison. And Lex's mother was put in jail. And until this point, that is where she has stayed. But then she dies in prison. And Lex is realizes that her mom has left the family home to Lex and her siblings. And Lex realizes, okay, I can't, you know, put all of this behind me anymore. I have to reach out to my siblings, some of whom she's stayed in touch with, some of them she hasn't. And she really wants to turn the family home into something, into a force for good, like a community center, something like that. But like I said, she has to reach out to her siblings. And she has to come to terms with the childhood that they all experience, but that they all experience differently. And she kind of has to reckon with how that's affected all of them. And it's a very literary type of psychological suspense novel, where there there is definitely the element of suspense. There is a it is it is a dark read. But so much of the story is about the characters and how they have evolved, how their trauma has shaped them, how they have either come to terms with with what happened or how they haven't come to terms with what happened. And it's just a really thoughtful read. It's, like I said, it's dark, it's difficult, but it's thoughtful. It's written with a lot of heart and a lot of empathy and it's just a it was just a really really well done book. So yeah, this one was one of the one of the first books that I read at the beginning of the year and still I would still say this was definitely one of my favorites of the year. So again, that is Girl A by Abigail Dean. Oh, and that sounds intense, but again, that's another book that has been on my radar, but you know, for said reasons, as, as yeah. you mentioned, <laughs> I have avoided, but that sounds like an amazing, uh, like glimpse, like amazing story that needs to be read. So definitely my far off radar. <laughs> 
But before uh, I get, I talk about my second pick, do you want to go ahead and give us our second sponsor? Oh, sure. So our second sponsor for this episode is SipsBuy, which is a company that makes discovering tea fun, personalized, and affordable. Because is there anything better than curling up with a new book and a hot cup of tea? I do not think so. The Sips by Box is the only multi-brand personalized tea subscription box, and each month, Sips by matches you with delicious teas from over 150 global brands, big and small, based on your unique preferences. They have gift cards and subscriptions available at www.sipsby.com, that's sipsby.com, and when you subscribe, you'll receive four new teas each month chosen just for you. Each box includes loose teas, bag teas, a mixture of both based on your preferences, and makes 16 or more cups of tea. They account for your caffeine tolerances, your flavor preferences, your dietary needs. Some of the book rioters have gotten a couple of trial boxes from Sips by. I've gotten two. I've opened one. I haven't gotten to the second one yet. And I love tea. And we have so much tea in our house. My husband drinks it. I drink it, although I haven't had a chance to drink as much recently because I am a very caffeine intolerant person. And if I have tea like after two o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to be up all night. But thankfully, the the first box that we got had a lot of decaffeinated tea in there, which is also good because my husband's not supposed to have caffeine either. So this was without even them, t- like us taking the quiz or indicating our preferences. They just they must have just known that we we need to avoid caffeine <laughs> in the Horner household. So what about you? What have you gotten in your box, Nozdra? So I personally, I love, 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 love tea. And I am about to commit a crime over here. But I love tea way more than coffee. I I don't drink coffee. So there you go. (laughs) My morning drink is never, I think I drink coffee like once a week. And that's just like a treat, uh, you know, or if I'm super, super tired, but that never fixes anything for me. But every, my morning drink is usually black tea that I make in a saucepan with, you know, milk and cardamom and the whole works so i love tea and i i love herbal teas as well because i I am finding sadly that i am becoming more intolerant to caffeine so if i drink tea after like 4 p.m so i'll fall asleep at the regular time like i'll go to bed at like at my shameful 9 p.m you know old people's bedtime (laughs) but uh but i'll wake up at like 2 30 fresh as an owl and like I won't be able to fall asleep till like five, and I'll still be tired, but I can't do anything about it at that point. Like you know, so like I'm groggy but can't sleep, so it's the worst. So I did take a quiz, and I did mention you know that I was looking for a combination of like caffeine teas and non-caffeinated beverages, and the boxes, both the boxes have been fantastic. Like they're they're true to their word. They send you a mix of tea bags as well as loose tea. And some of the ones that I got that I tried that I want to mention. So I got this stash tea bag that I've never seen in stores. It's chocolate mint. And it is fantastic. It's, you know, you think to yourself, how can chocolate and mint go together? But they do. I highly recommend it. Like even adding mint to your black tea or your green tea is also fantastic. So chocolate Mm. mint was one of the favorite ones I tried. Then they had another energy tree that was, it's a zesty and it's like a slow release caffeine tea. 
It has like more caffeine than coffee or black tea, but it's very slow release. So you don't crash or get jittery all of a sudden, but have like steady energy throughout the day. So that's another one I tried. And again, very true to its word. It was slow release. I did not crash and I did. I was not up at night. And then the last one, sorry, I, this has become a tea <laughs> show all of a sudden. But the last one I wanted to mention that was fantastic was this brand called Organic India. And this was a caffeine-free Tulsi Turmeric Ruibos tea. And I drank this after I was having a bout of particularly bad heartburn. And this just fixed it right up. So I am definitely going to be looking up these teas to see how I can order more of them. And definitely going to be continuing on with my sips by because it's such a delight to receive them, you know, and to try out, like to look forward to like when it's like getting lit, when you want something warm, but at the same time, it can't be coffee, tea, anything with caffeine in it, you know, it like increases your options. So I had a fantastic experience with it. All right. So if that has piqued your interest in SipSpy, you can follow them on Instagram at SipSpy, that's at S-I-P-S-B-Y, for weekly giveaways and more. And for podcast listeners only, you can use the code Red or Dead for 50% off your first SipSpy box at www.sipspy.com. And we thank them very much for sponsoring this episode and giving us loads of delicious tea. Absolutely. All right. Back to the book portion. Yes. This is no longer a tea show. You moving to the books. My second pick is another one that I came across in the previous three weeks. And lucky for me, it was a very, it's a very slim book. It's how many pages? Let me double check. I think it's around, yeah, it's only 160 pages, you guys. And it was super fast read. And it was apparently domestic suspense is the theme of my favorites this year. But this was, so it's called The Secret Talker by Gailing Yan. And this is about a woman named Hong Mei, who is, you know, who is the perfect wife to Glenn, who is a caring college professor. And one day, uh, one day Hong Mei, she's just living her very, she's living her very, like very ordinary routine life in Northern California, when this mysterious person begins emailing her and, you know, starts talking to her about things that she, you know, she's never shared with anyone. She's never even like, said out loud but like obviously she's done some sort of tangible thing around it but she's never talked to them talked about those things to anyone not even her husband and then it also the mysterious danger we don't know if it's he or she with the mysterious stranger uh they also start talking about like you know her marriage like the like the like you know does your does your husband pay you enough attention and like but like more than that you know like they'll they'll say very personal questions like at someone only who is like present between the relationship can know. So she is like intrigued. And then there are also some secrets she's harboring from her past that this person knows. So immediately, you know, she's terrified, but she's also intrigued. Like who is this person who is like stalking her? But her, but so what she decides to do is she decides to turn, like, you know, turn the tables on her stalker and, you know, hunt them down instead. (laughs) But what happens instead is, like, they're both chasing each other. And what is at stake is, you know, her marriage, the life, the sheltered life that she's built up, like, away from her secrets, away from her past, and quite possibly her life. And it's just... There's not a spare sentence in this whole novel. Like each 
a sentence is very loaded. So you have to pay attention. And the 160 pages, like, they're so fraught with, like, tension and just mystery and this atmosphere of claustrophobia. And, like, you just want to, like, finish it already. But at the same time, like, make it last so you don't have to find out, like, is it going to be okay? Like, what's going to happen? <laughs> and in, in the description, they've compared it to the silent patient who uh, meets the vegetarian. And I have not read the vegetarian, so I don't know how true that comp is. But the silent patient is, the, in terms of the twist, it is spot on. So if you, that was a book you enjoyed, and definitely check out, like, recommend checking this one out. It was, it was fantastic. And it just like 160 pages, just pages of pure, like, mind blowing stuff. So um, that's The Secret Talker by Killing Yan. All right. So my second pick is one I am going to go through pretty quickly because I have talked about it a lot on this show over the last, oh, six months or so. And that is The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. And this was the book that when it was first announced, it was described as Get Out meets The Devil Wears Prada, but set in a publishing house. And that is 100% what this book is. So if that rings any of your bells, pick up the book because that's what you're getting. And it's a really, it's a really good book. It's marketed as like psychological suspense slash horror, but one of my coworkers read it and she is, she will tell you she is one of the biggest Halloweenies when it comes to horror. She just does not touch it. And she read it and she really enjoyed it. So if you're thinking, mm, I don't know, I don't really like scary stuff, you can take it from my coworker that she she got through it and she really enjoyed it. The main premise is that Nella Rogers is a 26-year-old editorial assistant at Wagner Books. She is the only Black employee there. And she is thrilled when Wagner hires another editorial assistant, another Black woman about her age. And she's thinking, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I have an ally now. There's someone else who looks like me, someone else who can relate to the microaggressions that I've been dealing with from the other white employees. And then shortly after this new assistant arrives, her name is Hazel. Hazel becomes the office darling. She starts getting invited to, you know, the big meetings that Nella hasn't really been invited to, or Hazel's ideas have been welcomed with open arms, whereas Nella's ideas, which have been very similar, were rejected in the past. And then not long after that, Nella starts finding notes on her desk that say, leave Wagner now. While it's hard for her to believe that Hazel is behind these messages, but... She doesn't know who else they could be coming from, and she she starts to spiral. So I guess paranoia is kind of a theme of the of this show. And as she starts to obsess over what this could mean, she realizes that there is a lot more going on here than just her career. So this is so it's got it's totally a thriller. It's a fast paced read. It has social commentary. The premise requires a little bit, like, suspend disbelief, but just go with it. I will, that's about all I'll say, but it works with the overall story. And it's just a really well-written, well-layered novel, basically about what it means to be a young Black woman trying to survive in a white person's world, in a white person's industry. And 
it's extremely well done. I really enjoyed this when it came out. This was a book that I got for my birthday, and I think I read it, like, actually made, like, not even a couple of weeks after that, which is, like, a record for me. And, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I think it lives up to all the hype, and if you haven't read it yet, go fix that mistake right now. <laughs> and the book is called The Other Black Girl by Zakia Delilah Harris. Uh, it was it was so good. I, I agree with all the praise that Katie has mentioned, and it's also... It was very well done. Like the more I think about it, the more I keep thinking about it. So yes, I I co-signed that. All right. My next pick is something. Oh, if you guys don't roll your eyes into your head at this point, like I like I wouldn't blame you if you do that. But it's Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. This is a book that I've talked about so many times in this show. And I won't stop. But <laughs> Sylvia Moreno Garcia has so quickly become a favorite author because First, her ability to write different books or across genres even knows no limits, right? She does, she like goes from one genre to another, like, like it's no big deal. Like, like, oh yeah, I got this. And then like her stories are so readable, but also like they'll have commentary in them. They'll have these fantastic characters that you, like each character is very different from the other so it doesn't seem like lazy character work it just it's just it's an all-encompassing kind of experience reading her book so um that's how i felt with mexican gothic and then Wellwood was tonight was another one that was so fantastic just super quickly it's set in 1970s in mexico city we follow three characters there's mate there's um elvis and then there we also have mate's neighbor leonora and Mete is, you know, she she's like she looks at Leonora's life. She wants her life because it seems glamorous. Um, one day Leonora goes missing, and Mete becomes obsessed with finding out answers about what happened to her. And at the same time, we have Elvis, who is also invested in what happened to Leonora, but for different reasons. And then we watch as Elvis and Mete they come together and try to solve this mystery. And at the backdrop there's this you know it's a time of political upheaval in Mexico and there's a lot of that brought into the story and it's just fantastically done it's an ode to the noir genre and you feel it you feel it and she just makes Mexico City come to like you like you know how you read a travel log and you like sort of just immediately like start envisioning that place in your head. That's what I feel like Sylvia Moreno Garcia does for Mexico City in this book. So it's fantastic, and it de- like after the number of times I've talked about on this show, it would have been a surprise if I this did not end up on here. So again, that's Velvet Was the Night by Sylvia Moreno Garcia. All right, and then my last book, which I read in, like I said, I read most of it last night on the couch, probably somewhere between two thirds to three quarters of it in a single sitting. This book uh, just came out last month. I mentioned it briefly that I had a copy that I wanted to read it. And now I have and I really enjoyed it. And it's called All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. And when I talk about it immediately after talking about the other black girl, it has, in some ways, has a very similar premise. So I do I do apologize that I have two books on the list that are fairly similar in that regard, but this book was so good. And this book is both a legal thriller and a psychological suspense novel all in one. And it also, if any listeners 
are familiar with the blog Ask a Manager by Allison Green. That is one of that's a blog I check daily for just great work advice and just all this it's a great blog. But I felt like this story and the company described in there ticked all of the red flag boxes that I have read about on Ask a Manager. So pretty much this this book is a story of why if a company says that they treat each other like family, run. Get out of there. <laughs> So, yeah, so at the beginning of the book, we have we have Alice Littlejohn, who has an Ivy League law degree. She is a well-paid corporate attorney in Atlanta, and she has a relationship with her white boss named Michael, which also, again, no, no, you don't want to you don't want to have an emotional or sexual relationship with your boss. So at the beginning of the book, Ellis comes in to work early like usual, and she goes to meet Michael like they often do in the mornings, and she finds him dead with a gunshot in his head in his office. And so what does she do? She walks back to her office like she didn't see anything, nothing happened, she has no idea what's going on. And you might be thinking, hmm, that's an odd thing to do if you discover uh, the body of your of your secret affair partner and your boss. And yes, that is a very odd thing to do. But Alice has lots of secrets of her own. And she's like, I can't get involved with whatever's going on here. Well, involved she gets. <laughs> so it's not long after she walks out of his office and goes back to her own like she saw nothing. Someone else discovers that there is a body and then, you know, the police arrive and they start doing an investigation because while it initially appears like suicide, they quickly realize that it was actually homicide. And so now they are starting to question people, including Ellis, who that day is called into the CEO's office to say, hey, we're giving you your former boss's job, the man who was found dead in his office. So now she has her former lover and former boss's job the day he is killed, and she's going, what is going on here? With that, she is brought into like the upper executive levels that she was kept out of before. And again, she experiences lots of microaggressions. She, this takes place in Atlanta, where most of the executive board is kind of a good old boys club. And so it's not just microaggressions. She experiences outright racism. She experiences outright sexism. And she also realizes very quickly that there is something shady going on here. And so the book is her trying to figure out what's going on, but she also just get, gets pulled in just inescapably from or into the case around her boss's death. And then that brings in other people from her sphere that get involved. And then her secrets start coming back to haunt her. And it just becomes just one thing after another. And then while this is going on, or this is the main part of the storyline, and then it's interspersed with passages from when she was from when she was growing up in her very small rural Georgia town. And you start to understand what secrets what what secrets she's been keeping. And yeah, so basically she's got a lot going on right now. And yeah, this book is just like, 
is just a warning sign for like for like any kind of corrupt company and you're just like oh my gosh this, this, it's too much it's too much and with this one without giving too much away whereas part of the premise of the other black girl required just a little bit of a suspension of disbelief just just a little bit this one feels very, very real in many ways. And I will just leave it at that. But it is a gripping read. It is the epitome of a page turner. It is so good. And this book has been getting all the hype from all of the like, hey, books to read this fall. It's getting hype from booksellers and librarians. Like this is another one. Believe the hype. It was excellent. And again, that is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. Oh, that that, that one is what I'm going to have to immediately read because that just ticks corporate America and like, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it ticks the corporate boxes. All <laughs> yes. right. So, uh, like, you know, all the things wrong with it. So I am super I, like that is one that is on my very, very near TBR. So excited to pick that one up. All right. So it seems like even even though it was a year of less reading, uh, VK and I could go on for a while. <laughs> and uh, but it was I will wrap it up by saying it was a fan, it was a year of fantastic releases. And if you had, you know, any favorites that you want to shout out about, if you read any of the books that we've mentioned and want to talk more about them with us, shoot us an email, shoot, uh, you know, say hello on Twitter, talk, uh, come talk to us. We love hearing your thoughts. But with that, that is our show. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. Thank you so much to our wonderful sound editor, Jen Zing, for always making us sound great. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. For more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player, podcast player of choice. If you want to send us an email with feedback, show suggestions, or just want to talk about some of the titles you've read, want to read, you can reach us at twitter.dead at bookride.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter at Javed Nasra. That's J-A-V-E-D-N-U-S-R-A-H. And you can find me on Twitter at K-T underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.